So I'm one of those guys that asks why about everything. And if you ask the question why and somebody says to you, because that's the way we've always done it, I'm like, you're dumb. Like, I want to know why. Like, I want to know really why something happens. And that's one of the reasons why we're doing a series on why we do church the way we do. And we're asking questions about church because I think most of us are curious to know the reason behind why we do things. So we talked about why we go to church, and some people think it's fire insurance, right, against going to hell, but we learn, though, that's not why we go to church. We go to church to be spiritually fed and have our hope tanks filled. We talked about why we pray in church, why we sing in church. What we discover there is that all of us struggle, right? We give in to temptation, we fall, we fail, and God has wired us to pray and to sing because these tools help us to grow and help us when we're going through difficult spiritual battles, spiritual seasons. Prayer and singing help us to have strength in those times. Today we're going to look at why do we listen to sermons? Why would you listen to, I mean, why are you sitting here right now listening to someone monologue to you? And in a minute I'm going to say, open up your Bible. So from this ancient text that's thousands of years old, I'm going to stand in front of you and do a monologue. Why would you listen to me? I mean, if I got up week in and week out and we're like, hey, let's talk about Homer or let's talk about Plato or let's talk about Jane Austen and we're going to do that every week, 52 weeks a year for your entire life, that would be torture, wouldn't it? And you'd be like, why would people come and do that? That doesn't make any sense, but isn't that sort of what we're doing? We've got this ancient book, and we're opening it up and talking about it week in and week out in a time called a sermon. Do you like sermons? Do you like people preaching at you? I mean, pre- like, you know, you kind of say to your boss, quit preaching at me. Or you turn to your spouse, I don't need a sermon about that. You know, like sermon preaching isn't necessarily a powerful, encouraging, engaging word. It typically means when someone says, stop preaching at me, it usually means you think you're better than me and you're telling me what to do and you're making me feel bad because I'm lousy and you're not. And you're going to then tell me a list of things that I have to do better to improve myself. We don't use preaching and sermon in good terms in our culture. So why are you here and listening to this? What's the point? I think the answer is connected to us physically and spiritually. So you think about our physical health, our physical health. If you wanted to be physically healthy, you could read a bunch of books, right, on being physically healthy, and you could Google, I would like to be physically healthy, and you could read a ton of stuff about it. If you learned as much as you could online or in a book about being physically healthy and learned as much as you could about how to do that, looked up things, WebMD, right? I got a terrible cold, what does it mean, WebMD? You wouldn't need to ever go to the doctor, would you? Or is there something missing if you don't go to the doctor? I mean, you could research a ton, but without a doctor, right? So a doctor is trained to learn and know medicine, to learn and understand the patient, and to apply a prescription to you physically to help you. And if you never went to a doctor, how's that going to go for you? To some degree, this moment in our service is designed for you to spiritually come to the doctor. And we listen to sermons because we 
want to grow spiritually. And so the design of a sermon is intended to be that someone knows something about God, knows something about his words, and knows people well enough to apply a spiritual truth to people so that they can get a prescription, so to speak, and grow spiritually. And it doesn't mean that the person up front is an expert, but they are tasked before God to know Him, to know His Word, and to know people, and to apply a truth that helps people grow spiritually. So we listen to sermons so that we can grow spiritually, because here's the deal. We don't come spiritually healthy. That's not how we enter the world. We don't enter the world spiritually healthy, and there are moments for all of us that we're more spiritually healthy, and moments for all of us that we're less spiritually healthy, and God loves us way too much to leave us that way. He loves us so much that He wants to help us in our journey to be spiritually healthy. And so we listen to sermons because we want to be spiritually healthy, but we also listen to sermons because we believe God speaks. That the God of the universe isn't silent. He doesn't look at us and go, you guys aren't spiritually healthy, so get over it, Google it, fix it yourself. He says, no, I want to communicate to you to help you get spiritually healthy. God still speaks. And he speaks in two primary ways. He speaks in a very general way, and he speaks to us in a very specific, special way, in a general way. So imagine if you went to Lehigh Parkway, to the park today, and you lifted up a big rock, and you looked underneath a giant rock. What would you find under that rock? You'd find all these little animals doing things. They'd be reproducing, and they'd be eating, and they'd be carrying things around, and they'd be working and doing stuff, and there's this whole little universe under one rock. Why is that there? I say it's there because God designed the world, and He intricately put it together. And he is behind all things. He made all things. He holds all things together. And when you lift up a rock, one of the things you hear when you look under that rock is God speaking. He speaks through creation. He speaks through sunrises and sunsets and insects. He speaks through an acorn falling from a tree in the fall. And when an acorn falls to the ground, it sits there in the mud for a little bit, and then all of a sudden this dead, hard nut starts to grow a green shoot, and all of a sudden it becomes an oak tree. What is that? That's the God of the universe saying, I got this. I made this. I'm trying to communicate to you. I'm here. I'm orchestrating and holding all things together. Do you hear me? When you see a baby... I mean, my goodness, a baby's arm is this big one day, and then this big, and then this big. How does that happen? That's God saying, I can change and transform things if you will just listen and hear my voice. In a very general, generic way, he's speaking all the time, and if you have ears to hear and eyes to see, you recognize him. But he speaks also in a very special way, in a very unique way. He speaks through people. In the past, he's spoken through prophets. 
He speaks through visions and dreams. He spoke in the most incredibly unique way through the person of Jesus, who is actually the Word made flesh. He's voice, the voice of God, the thoughts of God made into human form. So when Jesus walked on planet earth, to hear Jesus and see Jesus was to hear and see the very person of God. And he speaks in a very special, specific way through the Bible. Through the Bible. So one of the great verses in the scripture, 2 Peter 1 verse 20 says this about the Bible. It says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So God, in a very special and unique way, took 40 different authors who come from all different backgrounds, all different personalities. Over a period of 1,600 years, God worked through his Holy Spirit in the lives of these 40 different authors to put together what we call the Bible, 66 different books that were written over 1,600 years with one storyline. And there's no contradiction in substance from beginning to end of a book that took 1,600 years written by 40 different authors. How does that happen? The Holy Spirit worked in such a way to write that. And you know, what's fascinating about the Bible is people have tried to silence the Bible, burn the Bible, destroy the Bible, get rid of the Bible, and yet it's still the greatest book and most sold book ever written because if it's God's words, will anything or anyone be able to stop it? No. He wants to speak, and he speaks through the Bible. He's the author, and it's the reason why we teach and preach through the Bible as a congregation, and the primary way that communicators from Faith Church do this is we, we say to you all the time, open up your Bibles in kids' ministry, in student ministry, adult ministry, in Sunday sermons, open up your Bibles, because we believe the Bible is where God's going to speak to us. And as communicators, here's what we do. We ask God this one primary question as a preparation for us to speak. God, what is one thing you want your children to hear from you today? God, show us as we read the Bible, as those tasked by you to communicate it to your family, what's one thing you want your children to hear today from your word? And we believe that if you come hungry and humble, God will speak to you, and he will change you. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. We're just going to look at one verse today. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 12, electronic copy, paper copy, Hebrews is towards the back of your Bible, end of your Bible, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. And the writer is going to make a very strong statement about why the Bible is essential to hearing God speak. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, for the word of God is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. 
It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. For the Word of God is alive and active. Back up from that and go, God, you need to understand this, God is alive and active, right? So He is the ever-present, strong, creator, sustainer of the universe. We believe He's alive, and if God is alive, His words are alive. So we listen to sermons because we believe God's words are alive. We have you open up your Bible because we want God to speak, and He speaks through His words that are alive. Just like any other person in authority, any other person in authority that speaks something, if they have authority, that which they speak comes to be. So your boss says, we're giving everybody off on Fridays. If they're really your boss, their word has power and everybody gets off on Fridays. If they say everybody gets off on Fridays and nobody gets off on Fridays, then their word has no authority, right? When God, the king, says something, he is alive and active and because he has all authority, everything he says will be accomplished and his purposes will come forth from him. We know that his words are alive and active because he is alive and active. And his words are sharp, Hebrews 4.12 says. They're sharp. It says they're sharper than a double-edged sword. Interesting. So we've experienced sharp words before, right, from people? Has anyone ever said something sharp to you? When we describe something as sharp, what does that usually mean? It hurts, right? It's painful. You said something sharp. But when the Bible says God's words are sharper than a double-edged sword, penetrating and dividing soul from spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's not that God says sharp, painful things. He says sharp, precise things like a scalpel in the hands of a surgeon. We listen to sermons because God's words are like a scalpel that cut. And a surgeon who uses a precise scalpel cuts and they only cut to help us and to heal us, to change us and to grow us. So God's words change us He has the power when he speaks and his word is read and taken in. It is the power to separate things that you hardly see. There's a difference. He says he separates spirit from soul, joint from marrow. It has this ability to get into and work in such a precise way to bring things to light for us, to show us things, to illuminate distinctions between our thoughts and our actions and our attitudes. His words have the ability when you read them and when you hear them preached to show us our true selves. His words have the ability to show us that we're sinful, but not in a way that makes us feel like lousy, in a way that makes us go, okay, I see I'm sinful, but you still love me. His words have the ability to grow us and change us and teach us our real purpose in life so that when we listen to sermons from the Bible, God has the ability to speak through these words, and they speak in such a way that changes us, heals us, helps us. So question for you. Maybe you've had this experience before. 
when you're sitting in a room full of people like this, and you're listening to a sermon, and you feel like whoever is preaching is talking right at you. Like it's like nobody else is here. Why is he dialing in on me? Did he set up a camera in my bathroom this and that? Like, where was he? What has he seen? What does he know about my family, about my life, about my work, about my feelings, about my attitudes? How did he know? Why does that happen? Have you had that experience before where you feel like you're listening to a sermon and you feel like someone's talking directly to you? And here's why it happens. Biblical sermons have the ability to change us because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is real and active and His power and presence in the preaching of His Word has the ability to do something in us, I'll explain. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, am I putting you to sleep? Like, that's a trinity is a big thing. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, three in one, one in three, big deal. Here's what you got to know about God the Holy Spirit. His primary job description is to make God known to people. The invisible God is known to us because of God's Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we would never have the ability to know God. And His Spirit has been at work since the beginning. So we talked about this earlier. God's Spirit worked in the authors of the Bible. He takes these 40 different authors and works in their lives through their circumstances to capture for us timeless truths. We call it the Bible. His Spirit was alive in that, working in that. His Spirit is alive when you hear truth from the Bible and you go, wow. That truth rings in my heart, and I'm hearing something, and it makes sense to me. And even though it's maybe hard to hear, like, the Bible truth saying that I'm a sinner and that I need outside help from Jesus, I hear that truth, and I go, yeah, that sounds right. That sounds true. God's Spirit is at work in that, causing you to go, that's true. And God's Spirit is at work in you if you decide to start following Jesus. His Spirit is at work in you, leading you into that, guiding you into that, helping you realize and say, I believe in Jesus. And here's what's fascinating. If you are a follower of Jesus, the moment you say, I believe in Jesus, God puts His Spirit inside you. Fascinating. God lives inside those who believe in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 1.21, fascinating verse. 2 Corinthians 1.21 says, God set his seal of ownership on us and he put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So track with me. If God the Holy Spirit was at work in the formation of the Bible, we have Bible. If God the Holy Spirit is at work in you, to cause you to say, I believe in Jesus, we have this Holy Spirit inside us. And God the Holy Spirit is at work in someone preaching the Bible. We have three things going on. God's Spirit is alive and at work in all three. In the formation of this document that's alive. It's not just Tom Sawyer or Jane Austen. This is alive. And it's at work in you, and it's in work of the, in the preaching of his word, so that when these three things come together, you feel like you're hearing a personal spiritual diagnostic that helps you grow. 
That if any one of those things wasn't happening, if God's Spirit was alive and working in you, but the Bible wasn't preached, then you would not know God's heart. If I just got up and started to talk to you about Jane Austen or Tom Sawyer, it would not change you like the Bible does. But when God's Word is preached and God's Spirit is alive and working in you, and God's Spirit is alive in the Bible being formed. All of these things, come, these three things come together to change us, to give us a prescription and a diagnosis and grow us spiritually because the Holy Spirit is involved in all of this. Do you know how you can hear something but not listen? Do you know what I mean? Like someone could call your name, Joe, 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 and Joe's not listening. I'm like, oh. You know, I, I heard you physically, but I, I wasn't listening. Or some of you, you're hearing this sermon, but you're not listening. You know how I can tell? Because you're like this. <laughs> and you sit like that every week. You know, uh, like you're just sitting there on your couch in your bathrobe online watching, or you're here, and you're just like, you're hearing this physically? You're hearing words? But are those words going into your ears and into your heart? You know how you can hear, but not listen? This verse in Hebrews chapter 4.12 is written in a context, right? In the overarching context of Hebrews, it says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates. It judges. He's saying this in an overall context. And if you read the overall context, he's talking about and giving an example of Jewish people, Jewish people who have been chosen by God to be his kids and how they hear but they don't listen. So a little bit about the story of the Jewish people. God decided to adopt a family, a group of people. He decided to adopt the Jewish people, and he said, I'll be your God, I'll protect you, I'll take care of you, here's your one assignment, listen to me. And the Jewish people are like, ooh, God's gonna be our dad, that sounds great, we'll listen, oh, we'll always listen, we'll never not listen, God. And what do they do, if you know the story? They put their fingers in their ear and they stop listening. And guess what, when you're God's kids and you choose not to listen to him, there's consequences. And so there's this great consequence with God's kids where they get themselves in slavery and they call out to God and they say, God, you said you would always take care of us. And God's like, I will. And he rescues them and he says to them, will you listen to me now? And they're like, yes, God, we'll listen. Woo! But they stop listening. And he delivers them miraculously from slavery. And he says, I'm going to take you into the promised inheritance and they say they're going to listen, but they don't listen. And instead of the journey taking them 11 or 12 days to get to their promised inheritance, it took them 40 years. I mean, it's the road trip from hell. It's terrible because they did not listen. They heard, but they didn't listen. I want you to go back one chapter in the book of Hebrews to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Verse 7, this is the overarching context of what's going on when he talks about hearing and listening. He says, today, Hebrews 3, 7, today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said their hearts are always going astray. 
and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Catch this. They're, They're hearing God, but they're not listening to him. And because they're not listening to them, their lives are constantly wandering for 40 years instead of entering promised rest. And then the writer turns to us and says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. And then you go to verse, chapter 4, verse 12, where he says, for the word of God is alive and active. It's sharp. It penetrates. It judges. I mean, he's, he's communicating this overarching thought that you could be someone that hears God but doesn't listen. And the reason you don't experience God's rest is because you're not listening. So we listen to sermons to experience God's rest. That he wants to communicate to us. He wants to give us peace. He wants to bring us joy. He wants to give us purpose. He wants us to experience his protection and his love and his goodness in every possible way. So many times we're like his adopted kids that are wandering and we put our fingers in our ears and instead of listening to God our Father, we hear a lot of sermons. We might know a lot of Bible. We hear it, but we don't listen. And we wonder why we're not experiencing peace. We're not experiencing joy. We're not experiencing purpose. Not experiencing intimacy with God? Because we're picking and choosing what we're going to listen to. I don't like that part of the Bible. That's antiquated. That's old school. That can't be true. And we just dismiss it. And we wonder why we feel chaotic and not at rest and without peace, without a sense of purpose. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? I will give you rest. To take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He wants to put a yoke on us, but it isn't heavy and burdensome. He's going to carry it with us, and he wants to guide us into purpose and peace. But we're going, yeah, Jesus, I'll follow you. I dig you a lot, but I'm not listening to you. And then we wonder why we don't experience his rest and his peace and his joy. We so often have selective hearing. James, the brother of Jesus, says in verse 21 of James, chapter 122, he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Don't just hear, do what it says. And then he goes on to say in James 1:22, he says, you know, God's word is like a mirror that shows you what you look like, exposes who you are and the facts about your life. And when you look at a mirror, this morning when I looked at my mirror and my hair was wacky, I have a choice to listen to the mirror and say, the mirror is true. Or I have a choice to say, I don't really care, the mirror is lying. And then I would come and my hair would be like, when you look in the mirror, you have a choice to listen to what the mirror says, because mirrors don't lie. James is saying, God's word acts like a mirror, and it shows you what you look like, your true self. And you have the choice to walk away and say, no, I didn't see that. But if you do, You're missing out on what's true because he goes on to say, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom 
and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in all that they do. You want God's blessing? Listen to his word, obey his word, apply his word to your life, and you will be blessed in all you do. Let me end by telling you about my friend Jean. So this is my friend Jean. She's 95 years old, one of the oldest members of Faith Church. And do you see what she's got on her lap? What is that? It's an iPad. Incredible. So Jean has a hard time coming to church at her age, and so she watches church on her iPad. And she was like, hey, Pastor Joe, let me show you. And she went to the Faith Church app, and she's like, look, you're on the app. And she's showing me. So all you fuddy-duddies out there that go, I can't learn the technology. I hate technology. stupid. You guys are always like, Jean does technology, and you don't? Who's the loser? You. Hi, Jean. Not you, Jean. She's watching me right now. And she doesn't like the music, but she said to me she loves... She says to me she loves the sermons. Here's a 95-year-old woman that says, Joe, when you open up texts that I've heard preached dozens and dozens and dozens of times, I grow as a woman of faith. How does a 95-year-old grow? She's like, your sermons are so good. And I said, no, the sermons aren't good. You know what's great, Jean? Your heart. Because here's facts. When you're hungry to hear God's words, he will speak. But if you're arrogant and you think you don't need God, if you go, I'm good, I don't need him, when you come to a sermon, guess what you're going to do? You're going to tune out and there's going to be no sinking of your heart with his heart. When you go to his word and you're humble and hungry and you want to hear his voice and God's word is preached, you will be challenged and you will have the opportunity to grow. It's not how good the preaching is. It doesn't matter who's preaching or what someone's speaking. If they're opening up the Bible and explaining it and you have a hungry, humble heart, you will hear from God. He speaks. Are you listening? Are sermons vital to your development? My answer is yes, because if 52 weeks a year you go, I'm not here every week, that's okay, but if on a regular growth pattern you continually put yourself in proximity to the preaching of God's word, you will grow and you will be changed and you will hear his voice and it's incredible to know that God loves us so much that he won't let us wander spiritually. He directs our path if we are willing to listen. Would you pray with me? Incredible, God, that you would love us so much that you don't let us wander away from you, but you continually call out. Through nature, you shout that you're here. You leave breadcrumbs that lead right to you. And you speak through your word. You speak through the preaching of the Bible that any heart that seeking can find you because you're not far from any one of us. Give us humble, hungry hearts that we might know you, that we might experience your peace and your rest. Give us hungry hearts that can know that through Jesus Christ, forgiveness is possible and the Spirit of God can live inside us Give us humble hearts to not pick and choose what we want to listen to, but to follow you with whatever you call us to. We want to follow you because we know 
that when we follow you, we will discover rest, purpose, and joy that lasts forever. Thank you, God, for speaking. May we have hearts to listen. I pray this through our victorious Christ.